Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. We fielded readers pressing questions about Golden State, including queries about the Warriors draft and free agency. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. It feels like it's been forever. I know it's only probably, well, actually, it's probably been over a month now because I had my little hiatus. And then, uh, you know, we didn't, we haven't really talked for the pod since then. How you been? How are you? How are you keeping up? Yeah, this might be shocking, man, but absolutely nothing has changed at all at all since the last time you and I spoke. I am still stuck in a pandemic. Uh, the most optimistic, positive thing I can tell you, Connor, is that between then and now, neither my wife nor my child has tried to stab me. We're all good, you know, even though we're in these closed confines. So I'm good, man. How you been? I've been good, man. You know, like I said, I just I got off a big break last week. Got to travel a bit. Went on a road trip. Um, social distancing. I was I was careful. I got tested yesterday. <laughs> I do not have the COVID. Um, could you hear? You could hear my concern and my resentment. By the way, I just feel oh, like I, whenever I tell anyone that I went on a vacation, they just judge me so hard. Yes, uh, I'm doing that right now. I'm judging you. Literally, as we speak, I'm judging you, and I'm a little nervous. You know, I'm glad you you busted in the the testing thing because. I'm pretty certain, even though this is over the phone, I would not have done this pod with you if you're traveling around the nation. Yeah, no, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate the judgment. I understand <laughs> it, which is why I, uh, you know, get really defensive whenever it comes up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was thinking this week, there, there's not a lot going on with the Warriors. Uh, we, have, we have the lottery coming up on August 20th, so I'm kind of getting prepared for that which would be really interesting to see what selection they end up getting. I have a story coming out tomorrow kind of breaking down, honestly, why this lottery is probably not as important as you as you think. The lottery tends to matter a lot when there's a clear-cut number one, right? Yeah. Uh, when there's like a Zion Williamson or a Tim Duncan. But when there's not that guy and it's kind of it's murky at the top, the lottery matters much less. If you look at past drafts where there hasn't been that clear-cut number one guy – the best player taken tends to not come number one. It tends to come sometimes out of the lottery, sometimes outside the top ten. Um, a good example of that being the 1995 draft with the Warriors. When they got the number one pick, they jumped up from the five slot to number one. Joe Smith? To draft Joe Smith when they could have gotten Jerry Stackhouse or Steve Wallace or oh, you know a guy named Kevin Garnett. Um, Are you trying to depress me right in the beginning of this podcast? It's not enough to tell me, hey, don't look forward to the draft. And also, let's relive some of the worst draft picks that uh, the Warriors have had in their past. My point being that if the Warriors get don't get the number one pick on August 20th, don't freak out. It's not a doomsday scenario. Uh, <laughs> and it actually might end up being a good thing because if they got the number one pick, they'd probably end up taking – Anthony Edwards, and who's to say that Anthony Edwards isn't going to be another Joe Smith guy where he's just like a good role player for a long time and the guys drafted after him end up being better than him. So that's that's my point. It's really more of a positive thing than a negative thing, given that the Warriors are likely not going to get the number one pick. They have in the league. They only have a 14% chance at the number one pick, and I think people forget that they actually have a 48% chance at the number five pick. So, so we really should be talking more about what they do at number five than what they do at, at number one. 
if you were telling me the optimism I can pull from this statement is, one, they're probably not going to get the number one pick. But, hey, Bram, good news. If they did, they would fuck it up anyways. I'm not sure I'm feeling that optimistic, man. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I got you. But I am in full-blown nostalgic mode. You know, now that the Warriors are not only back in the draft, but at the top half of the draft, I'm partying like it's 1995, Connor. You know, I've, <laughs> I've decided that, like, oh, top pick, and it's going to shift everything. So don't pop my dream bubble. And it's the only bubble the Warriors are a part of right now. I need it. Okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, uh, so we got a bunch of good questions. I put out the call this morning uh, for, for mailbag questions. And as always, got a bunch of good ones. Got some repetitive ones, and I'm not judging the, the reader or listener for that. I mean, there's not a lot going on, so we're going to get some repeat questions. So the ones that I picked are ones that we haven't answered before, either in the written or, or verbal form. Um, the first one I think you'll get a kick out of because there's a little bit of a backstory here, and this is from at J72. When is Booker coming? As in Devin <laughs> Booker. Um, Question for Draymond Green. Green was fined $50,000 for tampering, uh, for blatantly throwing the Suns under the bus during his guest appearance last week on uh, on TNT, and he basically said that Booker needs to be in a better situation and was criticizing the Suns organization, which is not the first time he's done that. You remember back in November, I believe it was, when Marquise Chris was starting to, to break through for the Warriors, Draymond went on a long rant criticizing how uh, the Suns handled Marquise's development. So um, I think there were some some people who heard that and wondered, is Draymond trying to, to, to get Devin Booker with the Warriors? And if so, is that plausible? What, what do you I mean, think? They asked him that literally on TNT, right? I mean, after he said what he said about Booker, I don't, I don't, it might have been EJ, could have been Kenny, but somebody asked Draymond, hey, are you tampering? And Draymond, being Draymond, said, maybe, you know? And incidentally, um, I think that Draymond has been just fire, just been absolutely phenomenal on that halftime show, and we're getting a glimpse of how good he's going to be in studio uh, when he inevitably makes that move. But as far as the Warriors have a shot at Booker, um, I can't imagine how the hell the Warriors could make the numbers work. Um, and even more than that, when I first heard it, my first thing was looking at who Booker's representation was. Because my assumption, and maybe this is, is more telling about how I'm viewing Draymond now than anything else, but my assumption was that Draymond was recruiting, but he was recruiting for clutch sports. He wasn't recruiting for the Warriors and was just throwing out how phenomenal they thought he is um, and was, was getting some feelers out. But let me turn it to you. Is there, I mean, just monetarily, is there any actual scenario where the Warriors could make a move for Devin Booker? Well, you make a good point. I completely forgot that Devin Booker was a clutch guy, so that that makes total sense. Um, you know, is he, so is he a clutch guy? Because I, I end up not looking. But if, if he oh, was a clutch I, guy, I think well, that's kind it. of implied that he was, so I assume yeah. that he was based on your statement. Yeah, no, I don't. What, what I, my assumption was that he is not but, a clutch guy. Uh, you know, in terms of the Warriors' pursuit of him, uh, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, he's he's a guy who signed a max deal a couple a couple years ago. He's under contract through twenty twenty three twenty four, um, making you know well over thirty million a year during that span. And 
he's a he's proven to be a shooting guard. And obviously the Warriors have Klay Thompson, and Klay Thompson maybe isn't quite the offensive player that Devin Booker is, but he's much better defensively than Devin Booker. And so I, I don't think you're trying to be paying thirty million dollars to a to a six man or a scorer off the bench. That's not that wouldn't be fair to Devin Booker. Um and given how much money the Warriors have tied up in Steph, Clay, Draymond and Andrew Wiggins, it just would not make sense to go after a guy like Devin Booker right now. Um well, I like Devin me... Booker. I think he's underrated. I think he's you know, I'd love to see him in a winning situation. I don't think the the Suns problems are because of him. Um, I think they're despite him. And uh you know, I'd love to see that, but I don't think it's gonna happen with the Warriors. Of course oh, Devin Booker's a hell of a player. They're undefeated in the in the bubble, I think. And I'd love to see Golden State at a max player, but we don't need one in the backcourt. We're pretty sick there, right? But to follow up what I was suggesting before, and I've, I've done a little bit of research in the eight seconds since I've spoken, so Devin Booker is not currently a clutch guy, but his old agent, Leon Rose, is, has now left, right, because he is with the Knicks. So what this makes me think is exactly what I was hinting at when you asked me what Draymond was doing. If, if Devin Booker right now is essentially between agents, right, Leon Rose is with CAA, but Leon Rose is left of the Knicks, and Draymond Green is going to national television talking about what a, a hell of a player Devin Booker is. Again, I think he's recruiting him for clutch. I don't think he's recruiting him for the Warriors. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But that was my interpretation of it. Yeah, which is very on brand for Draymond. Uh, <laughs> he's a guy who he always knows what he's doing. He knows the power of the media. He knows the power of his voice. And uh, he's also very loyal to whoever he's with. So as soon as he signed with Clutch, he was all in on what they were about. Totally makes sense. Um, our next question comes from Y-N-R-E, and there's three E's, so it's Y-N-R-E-E. Uh, would the Warriors trade Eric Paschal, Marquise Chris, or Jordan Poole? What would they want in return? I'm gonna. I'll let you start. That answer. Yeah, um, let me let me answer it first with a question. Do you get nervous when you were reading the names of the people who've asked you the questions? Whenever I do mailbag pods, I always feel like I'm going to screw it up, especially if it's a scenario where there's three E's. I have no idea what to say. About I mean, so. I, yeah, like it, it's not <laughs> it's not a name that actually is pronounceable. So exactly, that's exactly right. I've given up on like dynamite questions before. I was like, oh, what a great question, and then I got nervous about reading the name and just let it go. Um, but to uh, to your question. Would they consider trading any of those guys? Sure, of course. I'm sure they would in a heartbeat. It's just a matter of what they get in return. And I'll admit you, Connor, I was stalking your Twitter before today, um, and I saw this question. And the way I remember it reading was if, if they would trade them, could they trade them for another pick in the draft of what they were looking for? If, if that's the question, I don't think the Warriors are looking to add another selection in a draft that is universally considered to be weak. So, I, you know, sure, I think their their um, ears are open. They're willing to field any offers that came their way. But if what we're talking about is draft selections, I think probably, hopefully, Myers and the Warriors are all set there and would prefer have this, you know, these guys, Chris, Pascal, their own young talent, as opposed to more from this draft class. This is the next question is from at with a glizzy. Can I uh, can I bother you with a question before we get to the to the next one because I'm going to sure. forget it and I don't have any paper to write it down. Um, but I was having this conversation last night uh, over drinks on a Zoom meeting, 
And what I was asking was, do you think that there are any Warriors, any of the players, who if they were given truth serum, they would honestly tell you they wish they were in the bubble right now? I think there's a couple of the young guys who probably wish they were there. Like yeah. someone like Michael Mulder, you know, who only got, you know, yeah, sure. a few games with the Warriors, <laughs> uh, probably wishes he was there just to like experience the NBA at that level. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I really think it's, it's limited to like, you know, the Michael Mulders and the Kai Bowmans and the Juan Descano Andersons. I think, uh, I don't think, Draymond and Clay or Steph are thinking twice about wanting to be in the bubble. I don't. I don't think that even crosses their mind. Clay is in somewhere right now with his nose up against the Orlando sports complex, like just wishing to be let in. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's happening. Um, so the the next question, as I alluded to a minute ago, is from at Wida Glizzy. What is your best estimate of what the draft board for the Warriors is looking like? Now, I have spent a lot of time uh, in recent months because there's really just not a lot else going on uh, (laughs) trying to understand what the Warriors' thoughts are about the draft and who they like, who they don't like, all those things. And I I think I have a pretty good idea at this point. Um, What I will say is that their draft board is not going to look like a lot of other teams' draft boards. Um, they are high on certain guys that other teams aren't high on. They are not high on guys that are considered definite lottery picks and potential top five picks. Um, they are thinking for themselves on this one, which which I think is good in a draft that is so fluid. I don't. I, I, when 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 you have a draft that's this fluid, I think it's really important to not get overly caught up in like where guys are in mock drafts and things like that. You know, um, are you really banking on a research and figure out who you like? And you know, an example of what I'm talking about is uh, they really, really, really like Sadiq Bay out of uh, Villanova, and I know you you've probably heard a lot about that, and I know it's been written by other writers as well. Um, and there's a reason because everyone that I'm talking to is like super high on him. I mean, I know there were multiple people in the Warriors front office who have him as a top five grade, which is crazy considering that he is widely considered a a mid to to late first round selection. Um, he does, a lot of people don't think he has a super high ceiling, um, you know, they see him more as a role guy at the next level. The Warriors think that he is an above-average defender who's very efficient offensively, who comes from a winning program like Villanova, kind of has that same type of pedigree that Eric Paschal had. He can come in from day one um, and be helpful. And they think he has a higher ceiling than a lot of other people do. So I don't think they're going to use a top-five pick on him, but yeah, like a trade down situation where they traded down – you know, to like the late lottery or mid first round, I would think it would be for him, you know, because they, they probably feel confident that they could get him in that range. Um, in terms of other. Assuming this is going to change, like if we'll fast forward when that drop actually happens, but if you had to put down money today, literally today, and let's make it something that matters to you, a rent payment. If you had to bend a rent payment today, do you think the Warriors will use whatever pick they end up with? in the first round, or will they trade it? I mean, trading I, down... I, yeah. I, I do think that they're going to end up using it. Um, I've been saying that for a while now just because I'm not confident that they're going to get an offer, like, for the for the yeah. pick and maybe 
pairing it with the TPE, the traded player exception, yeah. that's going to be enticing enough. Um, I think it would need to be a knock-your-socks-off type offer because they are legitimately really high on several guys who I think they're going to have a good shot at getting in the top five. Hmm. Okay. Um, they, re- they like Anthony Edwards. They really like Benny out of Israel. They really like Ty- Tyrese Halliburton at Iowa State. I think that they're going to be able to get at least one of those guys, no matter, regardless of whether they're drafting at number one or number five. Um, so I, I, I think they're going to hold on to the pick, and I think they're going to end up using the TPE on its own to get someone. Um, but that's that's just my hunch based off the conversations I've had with people in the front office. Um, a couple other things about their, their draft board, and I know I've said this a million times, they're not super high on LaMelo Ball. They're not super high on James Wiseman. Um, a lot of people – I've gotten so many questions about, are they going to draft James Wiseman? They need a center. Especially now. You just had that workout video. Uh, if I had to guess, whoever, regardless of where they're picking in the top five, they're going to take either Anthony Edwards, Danny, Tyrese Halliburton, and then there's a couple other possibilities. Like they could take Isaac Okoro, um, you know, they could take, uh, you know, really those are the, the main guys I'm hearing right now. So um, that, that's that's the basic takeaways of my understanding of their, their draft board and how it's coming together. We've had a couple of college um, draft scouts on over the last few months, and you didn't leave out one name that we've heard. I'm hearing the exact same things you are. The only place I am, Connor, as long as they don't draft somebody like Joe Smith or his functional equivalent, I'm on board, man. Um, and we've said this. A few months ago, you and I did a pod that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was the Warriors draft foibles. In the past, we went through some of the worst draft picks of all time. And if I'm remembering it right, we ended it on this really optimistic note. And the idea was, for decades, man, you couldn't trust the Warriors' front office. If there was a star, you knew for sure they wouldn't find him. And now, you know, the, the shoe's on the other foot. These guys have um, really developed our trust. We were talking about Pascal. If you're another organization now and the Warriors move ahead of you or buy your second-round pick, you should be really nervous about that because they have a track record of, of hitting on those picks, which is a long way of saying, I don't know who they're going to take. I don't know where they're going to take them, but I trust this team and this front office to do the right thing, which says a lot given how bad this franchise used to be. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the next question is from at Bluno number one. If the NBA ends up not allowing OTAs or some other sort of group practice for the Elite Eight before all teams return for training camp later this year, how do you think that would impact the Warriors next season? Now, that's a really pertinent question because it's looking more and more likely like there isn't going to be any sort of second bubble or maybe not even a mini camp, which is kind of crazy to me because – the Warriors would end up going eight or nine months without any sort of team availability, without any sort of 
group practice, which is which is nuts for a professional basketball player. Um, what what kind of impact do you think that would have? Big one. Uh, so I have pretty high aspirations for next year, and I think that if Warrior fans are being honest, that's true for most of us. Uh, one of the things that's really going to matter, depending on how far they go, is seeding, right? And so wins during the regular season are going to mean something. And the problem with the Warriors, they're going to have talent, but they're melding two different teams. In some ways, they're melding three. They've got the starters they're bringing back. Steph and Clay have not played with one another since Clay's injury. Steph hasn't played with most of these young guys. And uh, Wiggins has not played with Steph and Clay ever. So they literally the core group isn't ready to necessarily play with one another. And then there's this other team, the young guys, the Molders, the Pascals, the Lees. The, you know, there's there's all these other players who spent a full or a pseudo season this year playing with one another, but they don't know how it works with the big dogs. And if we don't have any off-season opportunities for them to gel and they have to use the beginning of the season to figure that out, well, they're not going to get some of those wins, Connor. And we end this where I started it. If they're not getting wins early on, it's going to affect their seeding. If their seeding is affected, it's going to impact how far they go. So I do. I think it is definitely going to have a negative impact. One of the things I like about basketball is its similarity to music. Here's what I mean. If I take five unbelievable musicians, I'm talking like world-class, best-at-their-instrument musicians, and put them on stage for the first time together, even though their individual talent is unbelievable, there's no guarantee that they're going to be a good band together. You know, these, these individual skill sets have to mesh, have to play within one another and, and make a song together. Same thing for basketball. It's not like baseball. You can take these guys who have incredible talents, but if they don't know how to play with one another, those talents are going to be wasted. I think the Warriors are going to be able to, to put these things together, but every opportunity they have to develop that chemistry is an important one, and if some of them are being taken away, yeah, you know, there's some downside there. Um, so the next question comes from at case underscore 715. How many E's? Um, a lot of E's in that one too, or no? Just uh, I, yeah, let's just uh, – Moving on to the question, uh, three three free agents the team could should go after. Um, now I could I could interpret this by just who are the best three free agents that they obviously should go after the best guys, right? Like Brandon Ingram yeah. or whatever. Right. But um, so it's an I'm MLE question. Realistic about it, the the Warriors only have a mid level exception, which is about six million dollars at their disposal, and then minimum contracts. Um, yep. And, you know, we've talked in the past about guys who they're going to try to pursue. And I, I definitely think that in free agency they're going to sign a center. Now, whether that's on the mid-level or minimum, that's up in the air. I think they're going to – option A is, I believe, Marcus Soul, and I think that's r- relatively realistic. We've talked about that. We've also talked about uh, the potential of going after Serge Ibaka or Paul Millsap. So I'm going to give you several other names that I think would make sense and maybe sure. could be good backup options for the Warriors. Um, Hassan Whiteside. Um, now I know he's kind of a polarizing guy. He didn't really live up to his contract in Miami. Um, he, a lot of people kind of consider him an empty stats guy. But I think he's he settled into a nice role this season before he got injured with Portland. Um, you know, with Nurkic out, he was effective. Um, you know, he's a shot blocker, which with, you know, the JaVale McGee's and, and those other guys gone now, the Warriors don't have that that true, like, go-to shot blocker, and I think he could be that, and he can run the floor. So 
So I, I think that'd be a really nice option in that center rotation. He could start for you if you needed him to. He could also come off the bench. I think they could probably get him at the mid-level. Um, so I, think I love this idea. At, I love that idea. Position. I, I'm surprised that we have not heard that name a lot. Um, it speaks to me not only because of his skill set, because of where he is in his career. He's a super fancy JaVale McGee. You know, right. what, what he might be looking for is a way to kind of resurrect the league's perception of him. And the fastest way to do that is to come here, not have to be a number one option, and then win with that skills. Man, I really like that idea. Yeah, and then, um, you know, looking at some other needs that the Warriors have, I think they need – I think it would be nice if they had a real defensive-oriented wing, you know, a guy who can come in and, and man up with the top scorer of another team because the Warriors really don't have that. Um, you know, they have Clay Thompson, who's good defensively, but he, he obviously shoulders a lot offensively. But since Andre left, they haven't really had that, like, go-to stopper guy along yeah. the wing. And so um, two interesting options to kind of fill that void, Andre Roberson and Thabo Cephalosha. Um, now, Andre Roberson is coming back from a huge career-defining injury where he's – I think he's missed two seasons now, two-plus seasons now with that uh, with that knee injury. But by all accounts, he's making progress, and I'm guessing that the market value for him is going to be pretty low given the fact that he hasn't played in so long. Um, but when he was healthy with Oklahoma City, he was one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He was an all-defensive guy one year. And um, I think it's worth taking a flyer on him. If you can get him at or close to a minimum contract, I think you do it. Um, sure. I think he could play – you know, he, he brings almost nothing offensively. But he, if he's in high-scoring lineups, he can be really effective, you know, guarding the James Hardens of the world, assuming – that he's healthy. You know, if he's still struggling with that knee, then, you know, he probably doesn't have the lateral movement and the, the that sort of defensive impact that he used to have. But I think it's worth taking a flyer on him, especially if you can get him at or close to the, the minimum. Another guy, Thabo Cephalosha, you know, he's older. He's well into his 30s at this point. But at at his best, he is a, a defensive-oriented wing who can who can stop guys one-on-one and I think uh I think he'd be a a much appreciated addition to the Warriors rotation just as a guy who can you know not worry too much about offense and really just get dirty on defense and then another guy that I find interesting and I think the Warriors could could afford is Reggie Jackson um now he's a backup point guard with the Clippers he he's been a more of a go-to option in the past with the Pistons he can fill it up when you need him to. He's also a point guard in the sense that he can find an open man and see the floor. Um, and so I, I think the Warriors don't have a real backup point guard right now. It'd be nice to have another ball handler. It'd also be nice to have a guy who can be more, kind of a, a go-to option coming off the bench, and I think right. he can be that. So I think Reggie Dax is another name to throw out there. He kind of fills out the second unit scoring with Clay Thompson, assuming that's how they're going to do the uh, Clay's minutes. So that one makes sense to me. Um, a couple other names that fits into that second category, you know, defensive wings. Uh, I've read a little bit about Jay Crowder. I've heard Kent Bazemore's return. I've read about Trevor Ariza as MLE targets. Um, but the ones that speak the most to me are the ones you've already said. One old, one new. Marcus Soule, and now Hassan Whiteside. I'm desperately going to steal that suggestion, man, and peddle it <laughs> off as my own. I can't wait for it. Um, so our last question, this is a 
keep moving in and on because it's it's pretty open ended. From at Cameron for MVP. Do you think we can win the championship next year, even if we don't get Giannis? And the league looks exactly the same. There's no other, you know, the Lakers are still the Lakers, the Clippers are the Clippers. You know, the, it, it's basically we assume the teams are are similar next year as they are this year, yeah? Right. I think they could, but I think it would be a unbelievable story. You know, in in the it would be an even larger upset than the first title in 2016. If the Warriors end up with a home game, a, a home court advantage in the playoffs next year, if they're a third seed or a four seed, I will consider that a pretty big win. So I'm not banking on a championship. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities, but it's not something I would I think they have a chance, um, but literally – everything would need to go right for them. You know, it would need to be the perfect storm of factors, you know. Um, and it, it really starts this offseason. They they need to draft someone with the top five pick who can come in and make an immediate impact. Um, they need to get kind of a coup on the mid-level exception, hopefully like a Marcus Soul type. They need to um, round out the rotation with – bargains on a minimum, guys like maybe Glenn Robinson the third or, or uh, Hassan Whiteside or, or what have you. They need to um, they need to really make sure that that bench is filled with guys who can play meaningful minutes in the playoffs. Because to me, looking at next season's rotation, potential rotation, that's the biggest question I have. Um, I think the starting lineup, assuming they can all stay healthy, is one of the best in the NBA. It's can guys like Damian Lee not hurt you when it matters most in Game 7 of a playoff series? Like, right now, I'm not confident that the answer to that is yes. Uh, so, you know, can you round out the bench enough and get enough scoring and get enough defense in there to hold up against the depth of a, of a Clippers team, which is, to me, probably the deepest team in the league right now. Um, that's what it's going to come down to. And people, everyone needs to stay healthy. And if you look at this past season, you know, we know how hard that is at times. Um, you know, you can't have a single significant injury to a single significant player for them to have a chance. That's yep. that's just how tough it is. When, and let's splash some optimism. When I watch the bubble, I don't see any teams whose talent is way better than the Warriors. The Warriors are going to be a very good team next year. But what I think we're both saying, if you look at Golden State's last two titles, they didn't need magic. What they needed was status quo. As long as nobody, you know, as long as they played up to their actual abilities, they had so much talent on that roster, a championship was going to come. Now right. that's not true. Now they need magic, you know, like they, they don't have any leeway for error. Everything needs to happen just so for them to get it. Now it could, you know, and I'm hoping for it, but it's not going to be the same. It's going to be how titles used to be for almost any other team. Everything needs to go perfect to, uh, to be accepting that trophy virtually from Adam Silver. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance, Connor. Exactly right. <laughs> Bram, uh, thank you so much for joining me, man. I, I could talk to you for hours. It just, uh, you know, it goes by so fast. Um, where can our, where can our listeners find your podcast, Where's Huddle, which I'm a huge fan of. I go on very often. Where can they yeah, find us? I mean, you are basically, uh, I consider you basically a co-host on that show. So, yeah, I would hope that you enjoy it. And they can find us in all locations where podcasts are provided. We're on 
iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, the whole nine yards. Just search uh, Warriors Huddle, and you will find us. And we also have a Twitter account at Warriors Huddle. And it's huge fun, man. Always true. You know I love coming on this show. And uh, hopefully we can do this again real soon. Our thanks to Bram Hillsman for joining me on the podcast. It's always a lot of fun talking Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.